Good morning. It is Monday, July 8th. It's 6.45 a.m. I'm here with Lavinia. We got off to kind of an early start since she decided to wake me up a little early. Um, hope you all had a good week. It was a crazy fourth. Um, I would have to say there was some brisket mayhem because the piece I selected was not fatty enough so I couldn't bring it to, to Stacy's and that was such, it was no big loss in the long run but it would have taken me about 12 hours to get it to the beef fork tender like it needed to be. Um, I had it in the oven for about eight hours on 275 and you know what I had to get out the door it had been slow baking in my oven since about six in the morning that day I made some zoodle popperdell instead something very quick and then I took this like harissa spread and sour cream and mixed it together and just got out the door grabbed a bottle of bubbly and you know went on with my life and you know I honestly didn't need to bring anything um except for of course a bottle because the table was just laden with food um this 4th of July was more populated than last year I think there were probably double the people um, there were about three different varieties of potato salad, which none of which I partook because I'm not eating potatoes right now. Um, there was a lovely cheese spread, uh, with about four different types of cheeses. You know, you have your ash, you know, the one with the stripe of ash in it and kind of like a goat brie. It was really good. Um, and what else did they have? Anne brought her ribs. I didn't even get a chance to have the ribs. Um, you know, I mostly focused on Tracy's spinach dip, which was one of the main reasons why I went to the party. Um, I had the chance to go to Bolinas, but you know, it's some, I don't know, maybe I'm the only person who feels this way. I feel isolated in Bolinas. I do. Um, I just feel like I'm sitting on top of a little puddle of rocks with rocks, you know, kind of like a, I don't know, a quasi beach or something. I, I can't get into it. And then I just want to go home and, you know, there's that, uh, that bar and everyone makes a big, big, uh, big deal about it. How, how charming it is. It's full of assholes. And then, like, the bartenders can be quite rude. I haven't, fortunately, I haven't experienced their rudeness towards me, but I've seen it, and it's appalling. Um, I guess, you know, that's to keep the uh, looky-loos out of their precious island. Get over yourself. It's not the best island 
I'm just going to say it. I know it's an unpopular opinion, and I'm getting tangential here, uh, but Bolinas is just okay. And I just didn't want to be stuck on an island, um, you know, myself baking in the sun like brisket. Um, so, yeah, I knew I wanted to go with the sure thing, and that would be near Tracy's dip. Um, I had about three large helpings of it, and I just eat it like a casserole. It's like a, if you see, if you approach the dip with that kind of mentality, it's like having a casserole um, because it's so thick. And I don't know, the spinach, oh, everything was so good. Tracy is probably one of the best home chefs in the mission, in my opinion. Um, Everything she makes is simple, but it is done in the most perfect way possible. She could enter uh, like a competitive cooking contest. You know, if it's a contest, of course it's competitive. You know what I mean? I haven't had my coffee yet. Um, another thing that I had that she brought were these Jello shots. I had I only let myself have two of them because they're strong. Um, but she scoops out a watermelon and then fills it with red fruity jello and vodka and then this time i think these were the best ones she did though and then, then she cuts the watermelon and so it looks like these like watermelon slices that are jiggling the the jello is so firm though you know how when you get like a jello shot and it's just like kind of a mushy consistency and you're just like oh whatever just pop it in your mouth and be done with it this is uh, this the texture the presentation the flavor were so uh, above and beyond what was called for in a jello shot that it was just such a delight you know there's a firm jello that is that is something that you don't see often <laughs> you see excessively jiggly jello <laughs> and uh yeah those those two items were my main the highlights um and yeah there are various other meats and sausages uh, but I didn't really gorge myself I just wanted to to pace myself I had gone out the night before to the makeout room with Irina to hear Rob do his solo performance. And I had two very large Manhattans. They've raised the price of Manhattans there to $14. Sign of the times. I hadn't been there in a long time. Uh, probably in about nine months. Um, of course, I did not pay $14 for them. But um, I noticed on the board it was 14 I was like, oh... Is this what kind of booze is in here? Gold booze? <laughs> Felt lucky. Um, yeah, the the performance was very well executed on Rob's part. I enjoyed listening to him. But yeah, I wanted to get home. I just I just like being home lately. And then you know I had kind of a hangover the next day. I got home from the 4th of July thing around 7.30 so I stayed for about 4.5 hours and Chelsea had brought some fireworks to the party 
but I just, they were gambling. I didn't really feel like gambling. And, and so like that was like prolonging setting up the fireworks and it was still daylight. So I left. Me and Anne walked home. And around 10 p.m., it was a really huge fire explosion, fireworks explosion, uh, right outside of my house, probably like on, I guess, 25th between Mission and Cap. Uh, they were letting off fireworks also in the parking lot. And they were, I mean, there was such bombast, you know, um, you, it was like a blitzkrieg. You could see the, you could see the the lights of, of the fireworks going, shooting through my kitchen in a way. It was wild, um, and the the noise was, oh, it was it went on until about two, in the morning, and Lavinia was just, I mean, I thought she was gonna have a heart attack the way that, her heart was just beating so rapidly, and she would just jump every time. So there was a lot of jumping, um, and I'm actually and I'm actually really glad that I could be there for her, and I'm glad I didn't get wasted, um, which sometimes happens at the Fourth of July. Everybody gets a little wasted. One, I'm gonna back up on one one snafu that occurred at at Fourth of July, um, out on the uh, on the patio roof. There's these two domed skylights, and the patio roof is where the festivities are at Stacy's house. Basically, you go in the kitchen, you load your trough, and then you go out onto the patio roof. There's these two domed skylights on on what is the floor of the patio roof, and Lewis stepped on one of them, and it was you know when people go. Wah. That's what it was like. It was such a party foul. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm really glad his foot didn't go through the other layer because he could have, um, he could have not only hurt his leg, but really just essentially stopped the party. Uh, There were several men there that, that seemed to be fairly handy and were quickly came up with ways to troubleshoot it. Uh, someone put a um, an oriental carpet on top of it. That was the temporary solution. But yeah, that was uh, that was it made a huge pop. So there were a lot of a lot of noises. Um, I have been working so hard and so much. I am working also on my research of Diana Mitford, who. She had a big influence on Unity Mitford. She was the most beautiful of the Mitford sisters. And hopefully I will have that presented to you by in a week or t- in about a week or two. I'm looking forward to presenting that to you. Uh, so yeah, I have not forgotten the Mitfords. I went and saw Midsommar uh, with Donnell. I believe it was... Friday night. Oh my God! What a stinker, Bo Binker. You know what? He's like the uh, what is it? Ari Aster, if that's even a real name, the director. He's like the Wes Anderson of horror film directors. 
uh, I can't stand Wes Anderson. He, he fetishizes the rich. And in this movie, Ari fetishizes, you know, white Northern European culture in the extreme. So much that it just, it took away from, from the story, uh, which basically I'm just going to drop some spoilers here because when I drop spoilers in a movie, that means I don't like the movie. So proceeding with those spoilers, uh, basically uh, a girl, a young woman and her boyfriend and his friends go to a festival and on in a, you know, kind of a nebulous, um, Scandinavian Nordic country, possibly Sweden. And they, I think it is Sweden actually, but they don't say the city. Um, and they, you know, partake in these like kind of psychedelic, hyper wholesome rituals and then people start dying and they realize that they are um before it's too late sacrificial lambs for for the midsummer festival um okay that's fine sounds like the wicker man i can watch some some budget wicker man I, i can watch that but for three hours three hours Oh my God, it was a three-hour film, a three-hour tour. (laughs) Uh, Great costumes as far as, you know, them having hand-embroidered ethnic garb, folksy costume, beautiful lighting. But it just seemed, it, it was so drawn out and so contrived it's so aware of its own aesthetic um, that it really took away from from the plot and also it it just it didn't add to any suspense it didn't add anything to the film but guess what they did manage to do despite all that they made sure the black man died first somehow they they managed to kill him off first and that is a trope that they could not have they could not escape um it was another disappointing and disturbing event in the horror genre i'm sick of seeing this happen and it just always happens with with the way that our political climate is right now don't you think that they could change that up a bit also, in the end, the sacrificial, you know, the sacrificial lambs are burnt in this weird barn where there's so many plot holes surrounding the barn. And they have a shot of, of the uh, young black man who was killed being engulfed in flames. And I'm, I found that extremely disturbing, but not from a horror perspective, but from a sociological, a social social political perspective I thought it was extremely an extremely bad taste and extremely insensitive and I I just I just found it to be completely disheartening 
so those so that was that was uh you know the Ast Ari Aster is trying so hard to be um you know, to, tr- to transcend and to elevate his genre, but he can't help but uh, keep the same tired, sagging tropes in there. He couldn't escape that, and the irony was not lost on me, whether it was intentional or not. Um, am I glad I saw the film? I'm glad I lived to tell the tale. It was just so long and not scary, except for, you know, a few smatterings of extreme gore and violence, which all of which probably you could have seen in Game of Thrones uh, season one, honestly, you know, um, in within the first two minutes of, of an episode. So that, you know, I think it definitely wanted to be the new Wicker Man for the next generation, but there's only one Wicker Man. Um, I still want to see the Nicolas Cage remake, but at least they they stayed true to the story. And I I just it is so it is so um, it's so funny how you know in this height of where like the white male patriarchy is losing his grip this movie that just kind of extols you know whiteness and I guess semi quasi Teutonic values and you know euthanizing the elderly etc that that emerges but I don't. I don't think that it there that it comes along with the social commentary. It tends it, instead it fetishized all of that um, as like an aspiration, tacky, bad taste, pretentious, uh, hereditary was a slightly better film by Ari Oster, which came out last year, and that one, uh, that was you know, had had um, kind of a budget Rosemary's Baby element to it. And that one was also a bit too long. So maybe, maybe Astor's next film will be even worse. Who knows? I'll probably go see that one too. Or maybe not. I, you know, I stopped seeing, the only time I will go see a Wes Anderson film is if I'm dragged to it. Like the, the, the movie with all the, the dogs in it, The City of Dogs, what a stinker. It was so precious. But don't don't get me started, you know. This is not a film review podcast, but it happens this episode happens to be heavy on the film. I will recommend a a film probably one of the best horror movies I have seen. I think it came out 2017, 2018. It's called The Invitation. I don't know if any of you guys have seen that one, but I loved that film. And I don't want to give that the plot on that away, but I will say this. There is a black person in the film and they do not die. And 
that's all I can say about that because I don't want to mess up the plot. But I love that film because there's a there's a sense of of ultra reality to it. Um, kind of a take on the um, the trendy spirituality of of LA, and also combined with upwardly mobile LA. And it, was, it seemed very realistic and very authentic. Uh, one of the, like the main woman in the invitation has some pretty obvious plastic surgery on her face and it, it adds to the authenticity of the film because that's kind of what it's like in LA. Um, someone who's already really beautiful getting plastic surgery on top of that. Um, and the homes, the way people talk to each other, there it seemed some the every single thing in the in the film and in the plot seemed feasible, like it could actually happen in L.A. and and that was what was so terrifying about it. Go and watch the invitation if you haven't already. It it even rewards a repeat watch. Oh God, I have so much stuff to do. I can't seem to find the homeless lady diary, but don't worry, I have more ephemera. I'm going to go into the kitchen and read this letter that's on my wall. So this one is a letter I found when I was in the Bayview about three years ago. In fact, it was written probably shortly before I found it, and so I'm going to read it. Okay, so it says, I love you. I have been waiting 14 months for an answer from you, and I haven't gotten one yet. I don't know if you love me, or you just want to be friends on the phone. If that's the case, just tell me. I will not, it will not stop me from loving you. I, it will just tell me that over time, our time together is over. Don't worry about hurting me. I'd rather know the truth now than later. I have been waiting for this past 14 months. There has always been more than one woman in your life. Dated 6-16-16 and it's signed patient and then Benghazi Benghazi. The person obviously is delusion, delusional and has a very low self-esteem, wouldn't you say? I'm wondering if she was writing to someone who was incarcerated and then put the kibosh on on it. Um, just, you know, because of, like, them just having a phone relationship. Um, either that or they were cyber flirting. 14 months? I'd say give up on the wait. If they don't, if they don't call you after, like, a week or so, you can, you can give up on them. You can write them off. You know, anyway, I hope she got it sorted. I have a big photo shoot, uh, Bollywood style photo shoot that I'm looking forward to doing. I got these pre pre uh, stitched silk saris and I'm going to pair them with these psychedelic print 70 shirts and it's going to be dynamite. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, hopefully after that I can go to Japantown or something, get a nice piece of fish. 
And I hope you guys have a wonderful day. Thank you for bearing with me on this podcast today. Uh, I have just been working so much. Take care. Bye-bye.